you. I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. Hey, you guys, and welcome to another episode of the Women With Fire podcast. You are with Michelle and Sarah. Welcome. Happy Thursday. And Thursdays are the best because we talk about your quest. Hey, I've never thought of that rhyme before, but I'm very excited about it. <laughs> you are, we are on it today, people. On it. We are on fire. We are on fire and we might be on it. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so Sarah and I actually started talking about this an hour ago. So we have been reviewing and throwing out our scriptures and conference talks and all these things that we've been thinking about because last week we kind of gave you a teaser. Our podcast last week was about burdens, right? And somehow the spirit, I'm just going to say what it was, the spirit prompted me to kind of talk about seeking. And we didn't dive very much into it because we didn't have time, but we promise you that we are going to do a whole episode on it and that's what's happening. Yeah, you're spot on. And the reality is, go figure, once we really started studying seekers even further and further to prepare, whoa, the floodgates opened. <laughs> Open. I would call this a hugely important podcast episode. I would not call this a controversial episode. This is like uber important, <laughs> uber important stuff as we are changing the dynamic of how we get answers and how we react when things aren't settling right in our minds and, and when we're feeling certain ways um, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we've just seen some wickedly awesome patterns about people who are seekers and what those qualities entail and, and how you can be part of the seeker crowd um, instead of some of the other efforts that you could certainly take when you have questions. So we got to start with the big question, okay? Are questions bad? <laughs> are questions bad <laughs> well i mean if you look back at church history if you look back at the scriptures any you know any person prevalent in the scriptures like there's a lot of questions going on and in fact heavenly father wants us to ask questions if we are seeking in faith there's a difference there's a difference between asking questions um, with an effort to learn truth and to become closer to Christ and also asking questions that bring us to doubt. And I think that's why, I think that's why questions get a, gets a bad name. So I come from a family of lawyers, like my dad's a lawyer, then he was a judge. And then I have three siblings who are lawyers. I was thinking about the difference, like, you know, when you question the witness and, and that kind of thing. And there is a difference when a lawyer goes to a witness and asks questions that are full of doubt, right? That are asking questions, but doubt on what they're saying or doubt on the other side's, what they say, that say is true. There's a difference there than when they are asking questions to seek for truth. And so I want you to just be, that's actually like the main part of this is that you have to, when you're asking questions, you have to be aware of where is this leading you? 
with how you react to these questions, where is it leading you? Is it leading you closer to Christ? Are you going to Christ and seeking for good answers? Or are you burying them or you're not talking about them? Or you're going to other people and, and wanting them to get on board your doubt train? Like, what are you doing? Because that's, that's what makes questions good or bad is how you react to them. Fantastic. And I think back on, on the, you know, years and years ago, the common response when we had questions, even tough questions about doctrine, about policy, about church history, you name it, tough questions that often the response that used to come out of our mouths was, I know not save the Lord loveth his children. And that, that you kind of chuckle now because I mean, that is straight from the Book of Mormon. And I believe the Book of Mormon to be the word of God with all my heart. I believe that that answer is often not enough for people. If it is enough for you, high fives. Awesome. We're so glad you're listening. We still have something to offer here, but please treat each other in a way that if someone feels that that answer is not quite enough for them, that there is still space at the table for them. There is still space for them to serve and to contribute and to inspire as they are wrestling with questions. Um, questions really aren't bad. And man, you're going to hear a lot from Sherry Dew today. <laughs> Whoa, this woman has had a lot of questions and how she approaches them. And one of the things that really surprised me from her book, I'll be quoting from it regularly, called Worth the Wrestle, is she said, questions should never threaten a testimony. Did you hear that? Okay, critical. Never. never. Questions should never threaten a testimony. They help build conviction deepen understanding and increase faith because they provide the opportunity to learn. So if you have questions, even if they're tough questions, let's say I'm not quoting Sherry do anymore, but let's say you, you have been praying for a spouse. You have been praying for help for one of your kids who is really struggling and it's not being delivered or parts of your patriarchal blessing seem completely on another planet compared to the world that you're living in. That is a valid reason to have questions. And this is what she says. It can be tempting to wonder if God is real, if he's listening or if he cares. And if church doctrine on a particular issue conflicts with your personal views, it can feel confusing. If certain procedures or practices in the church puzzle you, it can feel discouraging. Any of those emotions or sensations left in isolation can threaten testimonies. So it is not the question that is getting in the way of testimonies in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That is not the problem. The problem is, is that we have questions and we feel unable to tackle them because we either feel like we're going to be called a doubter, that we're going to feel like we're, we're told we're not faithful enough or we're going to feel that way. That is the danger, is not wrestling with it. So let's bring those questions to the, to the table so that you can have this incredible opportunity to learn that will build conviction, deepen understanding, and increase faith. That all of a sudden makes me realize when someone comes to me or when I've gone to someone else to say, gosh, why is this not, why am I not understanding this change or why am I struggling with this, that can we like hold hands through that experience and cheer on that person as someone who is trying to build conviction, deepen understanding and increase their faith. Gosh, the approach is totally different if that's how you view those who, who have questions. Well, and if you have questions, I really actually hope you do. Questions are the best because you are in really great company. 
just so you know, Sarah and I have been praying about this and we've been thinking about this and I, we have really been bombarded, like I said, with things about seeking. And so this is kind of a really random tangent. Like I was looking at the Relief Society mission statement and I came across the like press release or whatever about that the Relief Society mission state purpose statement is what it's called was changed, was altered in 2017. And I was like, why was it changed? Well, listen to this. When we were, this is from Sister Linda K. Burton. When we were newly called as a Relief Society General Presidency, we sought the Lord, they asked questions, earnestly to know what essential things he would have us to focus on to continue moving his work forward. These women, the Relief Society General Presidency, went to the Lord in faith, asking questions, asking questions, and wondering how they could, you know, make things better to take people closer to Christ. And they took that question to the Lord and they got answered and they made some changes. I mean, you look at Joseph Smith, right? He, I mean, his questions led us to the restoration of the gospel. We think about Nephi and Enos and Elizabeth and Esther, Helaman and the stripling. We have all of these people who went to the Lord asking questions in the right way, seeking for truth, not doubting, right? Seeking for truth and God gave it to them. And I think we think that, um, and we can get to this a little bit later, but I think that we think that God is going to just give us these answers. That if we ask them once, <laughs> that the answer is going to come. And if it doesn't, then something's wrong. We're not doing right. We haven't done enough. We're not deserving. We're not deserving. There are so many things. And one quote that I love that I found this week, it is good to learn. This is from Boyd K. Packer. It is good, good to learn when you are young that spiritual things cannot be forced. Sometimes you may struggle with a problem and not get an answer. What could be wrong? It may be that you are not doing anything wrong. It may be that you have not done the right things long enough. Remember. You cannot force spiritual things. I was thinking about this in regards to the first vision story. And there are more than one account of the first vision. I think there's three or four. You can find them on the church website. But in one of those accounts, it talks about how Joseph Smith had questions about the church and struggled with and wrestled with this question since he was 11. I think that when we read the first vision story, we think that, you know, he about this when he was like 14 and he thought about it for a couple of months even and you know read his scriptures and this is all true but we need to know that it can take years before our question is answered and to not take that as a sign that we're doing anything wrong or that our faith isn't strong enough or that our testimony can't endure those years it, we just need to have the faith that god will answer when we need it and Michelle is spot on here because she's talking about how we're all in great company. And sometimes I think we skip the wrestling part when we're teaching the stories of, of Nephi and Enos and Elizabeth and Esther. And okay, let me just call this out. Like, do you really think Esther didn't wrestle with losing her life in front of the king? Like by approaching the king? She almost didn't do it, right? <laughs> like we're missing the boat here, okay? We're missing the quest, <laughs> okay? We're coming to the miracle and honoring her for her bravery. And boy, was she. Oh, she's just amazing. I love Esther. But do you think there was a wrestle there? 
And what about the stripling warrior? Sometimes I wonder about, was, was it literally a split second decision when they went to go take up swords, these young boys, and leave their families to fight? Was, was it really a split second decision or was there a wrestle there? What about a wrestle from their leader who was, gonna, who was going to bring them out? Do you think there was a wrestle there? Yes, yes, there was a wrestle. And you know how this happens in the modern day? Fast and testimony meeting. This happens in fast and testimony meeting. I will never forget. I'm going to bring this home, people. I promise. You know I know where you're going. This is good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I bless High Councilman's heart. I don't remember a ton of High Councilman talks that I've had over my 36 years of church attendance. But there was one High Councilman. His name is Roger Smith, who lives in Hyde Park, Utah, who was a High Councilman back in 2002. Gosh, why do I remember this so well? Is because it was the Winter Olympics. He got up and gave a talk about testimonies. And he talked about how the Olympics is sort of like testimony meeting. We turn on our TV, we watch a couple commercials, and then we see Sean White on his snowboard doing the half pipe, and he wins a gold medal, and we all cry and cheer and go USA, right? The reality is we're seeing the gold medal moment often during testimony meeting, and we are not seeing the practice hours. We're not seeing the injuries. We're not seeing the amount of effort that goes into what kind of equipment he uses and what, what stuff he eats and his diet and his sleep regimen. Like all of these things, we miss it, but we love glorying together in the big gold medal moment. And that's what we like to watch. And that can often be testimony. When someone gets up at testimony meeting and says that they know for sure that Christ knows who they are, are you feeling left out? When someone gets up there and says, I know Joseph Smith was a true prophet, are you thinking back and saying, was he really? Because I'm struggling. Was he really? They are experiencing a gold medal moment. And your time just hasn't gotten there yet. But it will. But it will. And that's because the quest is the wrestle. That's where questions come in, is we are seekers. And I consider myself a seeker. I'm someone who asks a lot of questions. And if you're someone that has that spiritual gift of just never-ending faith and you don't ask questions, high fives. But I, I would love to be in great company with those of you who have questions and are really, really going after it. Yeah. So let's get into, let's get into doubting because doubting, the word doubting, I mean, you know, it does make me think of um, the talk by President Uchtdorf, that he says his famous quote, famous quote, he says, please first doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. And that's actually got a little bit of backlash because it makes it sound like you should just write, like not, not question, right? Just blind faith. Don't ask questions. But I want to read, I want to read that quote. I want to just back up a paragraph before he actually says that and read that to you because because that's where, that's where the beauty is, right? It, he says, it's natural to have questions. The acorn of honest inquiry has often sprouted and matured into a great oak of understanding. There are a few members of the church who at one time or another have not wrestled with serious or sensitive questions. One of the purposes of the church is to nurture and cultivate the seed of faith. Even in the sometimes sandy soil of doubt and uncertainty, Faith is the hope for things which are not seen, by, but which are true. 
Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, my dear friends, please first doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. We must never allow doubt to hold us prisoner and keep us from the divine love, peace, and gifts that come through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The beauty of context. The beauty of it. context. <laughs> Uh, but I do love where he says, never allow doubt to hold us prisoner and keep us from the divine love, peace, and gifts that come through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I think that's where doubting is so dangerous. The danger of doubting is that it keeps you from remembering what you know. It keeps you from feeling peace. It keeps you from feeling the love of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's where I think there's danger in doubting. Not that we can't doubt, but does doubt lead us to question? And then does those, do those questions lead us to seeking? So when you feel that pain of doubt, can you say, what is my question? What is holding me back? And what is keeping me from Christ? Because that's, that's where we have to turn around. Please don't feel bad if you've had a doubt, my word. This reminds me of the quote that Sarah read at the very beginning. Can you kind of refresh us? <laughs> Yeah, so if church doctrine on a particular issue conflicts with your personal views, it can feel confusing. If certain pr procedures or practices in the church puzzle you, it can feel discouraging. Any of those emotions or sensations left in isolation can threaten testimony. So when we don't recognize the doubt and then ask the question in faith, if we are not doing that, that is when we are in danger. So how do doubts start? I think all of us have had experiences similar to this that have sprouted seeds of doubt, and we want to turn those into questions and experiences to be seekers. Like that, that's the end goal. We don't want to be downward, downward doubters. It's a downward slope, okay? We <laughs> want to be seekers that are on the rise. So often it's an experience in which you stumble on something. And, and I maybe, maybe even intentionally, so I guess I shouldn't say stumble, but you read a blog article about something, or you hear a personal view from a friend that is contrary to what you've ever believed or heard, or you are experiencing God not answering your prayers right now. And so you start to think things like this. You start to think, wait, is that true? Seriously, is what she just said true? Or... Or you read something and you go, oh, are they right? Maybe they're right. What else do I not know? And, and that's kind of how it starts. That's how it starts. What else do I not know? And it just turns into this downward, like, clicking everywhere, trying to figure out what else you can't figure out. And this is where we've got to bring in a little bit of scientific psychology here, okay? So there's this kind of famous experiment. And if you've heard this before, just hang with me, okay? So a group of scientists got together 50 people and they put them into a movie theater. And they said, we're gonna let you watch this short clip. And at the end of the clip, the clip is gonna be of a volleyball game going on between people in black shirts and people in white shirts. We want you to be able to, after finishing watching the film, we want you to be able to come out and tell us how many times the team that is wearing black shirts touches the ball. That's all we want you to do. Short film, go. Okay, great. All 50 people go in there. They're watching this film. 
film finishes, they come out excited because they know the answer is 15. There were 15 touches on the ball by the, by the team in black shirts. And the scientists come out and said, where was the gorilla in the film? And everybody goes, oh, shoot, <laughs> shoot. And less than half of them, which is a pretty good margin, okay? So think of your friends and family. Less than half of them even noticed that there was a bizarre, large <laughs> gorilla walking through the volleyball game in the middle of this experiment as they were counting the touches of the volleyball, okay? So this is what we like to call the gorilla experiment. And my question out of this is, what are you wanting out of this experience? What are you wanting out of this ping of doubt? And we can say doubt because it can feel that way, really uncomfortable and lonely and downward. What are you wanting out of this? Because you're either wanting to experience the full perspective of the film, quote unquote, and enjoy it for what it is, or you're focused in on this teeny tiny thing of how many times the ball is touched and you're missing what's being offered. And so often it's a mindset of, wait, what do I, what am I seeing out of this? What do I want out of this experience? And, and how do I, how do I get there? That's the question. That is the question. And if you haven't listened to Michelle D. Craig, she spoke in last, last women's conference. And she says one way to, to, to tell divine discontent from Satan's counterfeit. So I love her whole talk is about, is about divine discontent. And I think when we have these questions, we feel that, right? We feel a little bit uneasy. We want to know the truth. And one way to tell divine discontent from Satan's counterfeit is that divine discontent will lead us to faithful action. Divine discontent is not an invitation to stay in our comfort zone, nor will it lead us to despair. I find that when I wallow in the thought of everything I am not, I do not progress, and I find it much more difficult to fill and follow the Spirit. And this is actually what really determines, it's really the red flags for me, is when I am having questions when I'm doubting or, you know, when I'm trying to figure out when I've heard something, I've read something and I, I say, is this true? Cause this doesn't feel true. We have to be very cognizant of our feelings because the Holy ghost, when we were baptized, we were given the Holy ghost and we renew our covenants every week. And it says that the, that the spirit will always be with us. And that's its condition. It's conditioned upon our faith, our actions and things like that. Are we aware of how we're feeling when we're reading these things, how we're listening to these things? This is a really red flag for me is like when I'm feeling that, oh, what does that mean? Is that a withdrawal of the spirit or is that leading me to ask a question that will bring me closer to Christ? And when we start those questions and do you see the whole process? You're asking yourselves questions all the time because you want to find truth and you want to know what is at the core of this. And, and that's good. That's good. Go to the core and then make sure that the questions you're asking are leading you to Christ and that you're doing those things that will get you there. And you're also doing it in a seeker perspective, not a doubter perspective. If you are seeking for the truth, you will get it. It will not be in, instant. And I, I was just reading in Messiah and it talks about the people of Limhi and the people of Limhi were in captivity to the Lamanites and things were getting pretty bad. And, 
And then they, because they were so bad, they turned to Christ. And in Messiah 21, 15, it says, oh, so they just turned. They're ready to be righteous, right? And so they're ready to be righteous. They should like just completely, just quickly get all the answers and get all the blessings, right? Well, he says, and now the Lord was slow to hear their cry because of their iniquities. Nevertheless, um, he did hear their cries and began to soften the hearts of the Lamanites and they began to ease their burdens. Yet the Lord did not see fit to deliver them out of bondage. And it came to pass that they began to, listen to this, prosper by degrees in the land and began to raise grain more abundantly and flocks and herds that they did not suffer with hunger. And this is actually how most of my answers come. I did not, when praying about this talk, about like what we're sharing with you on the podcast, it, this did not come all at once. It has been a week of like reading and, and listening and pondering and thinking and asking my friends about like, what does it mean to be a seeker? I had a park day and I said, ladies, what does it mean to be a seeker? I have been really thinking about this and it is true that I have prospered by degrees to where I have a different perspective on what seeking is today than I did last week when Sarah and I recorded. And one of the things I'm just because we're here in Messiah and just a couple verses down, I think this is a good thing to point out. It's in verse 18. Now the people of Limhi kept together in a body as much as it was possible and secured their grain and their flocks. And even the king wouldn't go outside the borders because, unless they had massive guards, you know, um, because they were afraid the Lamanites were going to kill whoever left their borders. And I think that it's important to note now the people of Limhi kept together in a body as much as it was possible. And if we are aware of what the main body of the church, what is the prophet saying? What are our apostles saying? What are the main body of the church saying and testifying of? And how do we feel when they testify of those things? Are we aware of that spirit that testifies of Christ? If we stay close to that body, of Christ, stay close to the church, we will be protected. That does not mean that you can't have questions. It does not mean that you cannot have doubts. But if you are staying close to that body and then choosing to seek for answers, that is where we're going to be safe. That's when the Savior can testify us and can slowly teach us. It says that their burdens were lifted. It didn't mean that they weren't there. It didn't mean that they suddenly, because they one day decided to be righteous and ask for God to help them, that the Lord just gave them all the answers. No, it says that they prospered by degrees. And that's what this life is about. It's about the whole struggle that takes us the whole time. And then we have those testimony meeting moments where we're able to stand. And I know that my strongest testimonies that I have borne in sacrament meeting to my kids is come out of some of the greatest wrestles that I've ever had. And they're too sacred, a lot of them, to share all the details. And so we have to be, be aware of other people's wrestles and respect their gold medal moments and cheer them on because they earned them. I love this so much because that's exactly what was going on in my brain is this is why we have to be welcoming to people who are wrestling and people who are seeking. If you're not in a position where you're really wrestling over something really intense, maybe it's a smaller wrestle or no wrestle at all right now. We have to be welcoming because that is someone that is trying to keep together in, in a body of saints as much as possible welcome them, listen to them, learn from them, talk with them, pray for them, fast with them. How can we be better supporters as a body of saints 
to all of us who are on varying degrees of wrestling and questions and seeking. Um, that man, that's really, really motivated me to think, what is my role? Even when I'm not in the middle of a real tough wrestle, what is my role as the body of the church as a saint? I really love that. And I love comparing the difference between doubters and seekers. Like this is a really powerful thing that Michelle has really brought in front of us today. And you just see a lot of black and white, black and white. And, and here, here's another example of a, a really massive danger and a tendency of doubters. And that is that doubters, when they come to that point, when there is a, there's a doubt, see, we're trying to turn to seekers, right? That's what we want to do. Instead of staying in, the, in a body, the body of saints as much as possible, often those feelings are so tender and maybe the anger is so strong or who, who knows what kind of emotion is being felt that they are seeking for justification instead of a spiritual experience and learning. So if, if you find yourself starting to spiral and just searching for people that are going to say, yeah, you should be mad. I'm mad too. Or, or, you know, searching for bloggers or searching for anything that is outside um, of, of the church influence to try and convince you that how you're feeling is validated while it is, um, that that is a really common challenge that we will see doubters experience as they search for justification. Now, seekers, gosh, th see, this is a commonality. One of the great commonalities you're going to find with doubters and seekers is that there is some form of a crowd surrounding them. And it's either a crowd that is cheering them on in justification and pulling them away, or it is a crowd that they have decided to link arms with that is determined to help them see the Savior more in their life. And I think this is an important part of understanding seekers. You'll see it all through the Book of Mormon. You'll see it all through the Apostles, through the New Testament. You're going to see that seekers are okay with what we call leaning. Leaning on someone that they know is firmly rooted in the doctrine of Christ. And they're going to lean on that testimony. They're going to lean on those conversations that they have with that person. And that person may be, you know, a neighbor or might be a spouse or maybe your mom or a sibling or something. It also may be listening to President Russell M. Nelson. It, you know, there are different ways in which you can lean, but know that it, not only is it a good idea to lean, it's a really common experience of those who are in the middle of seeking. They're looking. They're looking to people that they trust to receive answers and to help them and to learn these things and gain new perspectives. And I have had my own experience with leaning that I am totally okay sharing. And that is the fact that when, when I have had my own questions about church doctrine, when I have had my own questions about church history, and yes, I've had questions. Let it be known. I have had questions that I have struggled with and bawled my eyes out over and not understood and, and really wanted answers from. And as I've mentioned a couple times before on this podcast, my grandfather, Leonard Arrington, who my youngest son is named after, he was the church historian for a decade and passed away in 1999. And this is a man who was 
very much before his time. He was really trying to get the realities of church history into the hands of members of the church, particularly the youth. He possibly foresaw some of the dangers that could arise if we hid truth the truth of what happened. And man, Michelle, I can't even imagine if he saw our day and saw that saints book out there. He just, I just know he is cheering this effort on. I mean, this is, you are witnessing miracles, my friends, <laughs> you are witnessing miracles. But this, this is a man who during his time as church historian had access to everything. And one of the things I really, really leaned on is that even though his views at that time were radical in trying to get church history out there in its truth, and even though he had some challenges with those he worked for and worked with and experienced within the church, his final testimony is something I lean on to this day. And I'm going to paraphrase it because it's, it's rather long, but he basically said, look, I have read it all. I have read every story, victory, defeat. I have seen it and read it all. And everything is all right. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And that statement alone, when those questions creep up and get in my throat and paralyze me, I'm a leaner. I sometimes say, man, if he can experience what he experienced, if he can be treated the way he was, if he can have read a thousand times more than I have read and everything's all right, sometimes that's enough for me in that moment to keep going as a seeker. Uh, I wish I could hug your grandpa. He's the best because he's probably written everything there is too under the sun. <laughs> <laughs> written a number of books. But I, I think that this is key to everything because like I said, it could take a really long time to get specific answers. And and that's okay. That's okay um, to for there to be a lot of wrestle. But what do we do in the middle of that? You know, we have to lean upon the um, faith of others and also the faith of our own experiences, because just because you have one question about this really, you know, out there part of the gospel does not discount the testimony that you have of faith, the Holy Ghost, baptism, repentance, just because you have these outliers and it's okay to have questions about those things. You have to go back. I remember listening to Sherry Dew. She had like a, a small meeting and she was talking about going through hard times and she would turn to her then friend now. Well, I guess they're obviously still friends, but Wendy, <laughs> Wendy Watson Nelson, I don't think she was married yet anyway, but she just talked about how she, even during the hard times, even when she had questions, she would go back and check in with Wendy and say, what do we know is true? Love it. We know that the savior, Jesus Christ is our savior and we know that the church is true. And she's like, sometimes that's as far as I could go with my questions. Sometimes it was so bad that that's all I knew, but that's what I held on to. And so that is what I think the core of President Uchtdorf's talk is. When he's talking about don't doubt, doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith, that's what he's talking 
talking about. You have felt the Holy Ghost. You cannot tell me that you have not. If you have thought about doing good, if you've served someone and you felt happy, if you've held a baby, <laughs> if you have been protected, if you are listening and you are crying, you are feeling the Holy Ghost. I don't cry a lot. You don't have to cry to feel the Holy Ghost. You have felt the Holy Ghost. And you need to go back to that point. Figure out what you know and hold on to that tight. And guess what's going to strengthen that grip? Reading your scriptures every day. Re listen to the prophet who is telling you to get dive deeper into those scriptures. He's telling us, begging us to do that. Are you saying your prayers? I would love to go a little bit deeper in how we're going to see your prayers in just a second. Are you listening to the conference talks and listening to your leaders and what they're saying today? And are you doing it in a spirit to seek the truth? Because there is a difference. There's a difference in listening to these talks and reading the scriptures to check it off. There's also a difference in looking for the holes. I'm going to tell you <laughs> that if you are seeking for truth with a pure heart, that whether you get an exact answer right then, you can feel the spirit. And the spirit will speak peace to you, even though you still have questions, even though the answer is not there yet. He can speak peace and he can, that peace comes only through the Savior, Jesus Christ. Satan cannot duplicate peace. I'm going to tell you right now, Satan cannot duplicate that feeling. And so when you feel that peace, you can feel peace in your questions. You can feel peace there, even if the questions aren't answered. And that is hugely important to realize. And that is hugely important to seek. Are you putting your, yourself in a place where you are surrounded by good people, where you are reading good things? And now a quick break. Hey, you guys, this podcast is brought to you by, well, me and Sarah, and we are super excited to talk to you about our quest mentoring. If you are growing a business or if you are following your quest and feel a little bit stuck, well, this is for you um, because with our 17 years of business between us and almost nine kids, we know that you have to do things differently. So if you are paralyzed about making mistakes, so you don't, cause you don't want to waste time or money and, or you, maybe you just don't know what the next step is, then this mentoring is for you. And so all you have to do is it's sign up for monthly mentoring where you are going to get a monthly masterclass that is going to grow your quest. You're going to be surrounded in our Facebook group by women who get it, who are cheering you on and you're going to become clear and confident in your quest because Sarah and I are going to be there personally for you. And guess what? All you have to do is sign up right now for a dollar. It's seven days for a dollar. You get access to our trainings, our Facebook group, and us for one buck. Are you kidding me? So go to thewomenwithfire.com slash say yes and sign up today and get clarity and get confidence in your next step on your quest. And now back to our podcast. Please don't spend all your time reading and taking in things that make you doubt because there's a lot of things that will, my dears. <laughs> there's a lot of things that will. I listen to Hank Smith a lot. We listen to him. He is a wonderful speaker. He's very entertaining. My kids listen to him and love him. And one of the things he talks about true seekers is how they pray. And so he has the acronym PASS, P-A-S-S. And so this is a really has kind of changed how I've been praying even just the past little bit while, um, after listening to this talk and I can't remember what the talk's called, so I'll leave it in the show notes, but he, so P is, are you prepared? Have you prepared your questions? Have you, before you go to pray, 
have you, are you prepared? Or do you just plop down and start talking to Heavenly Father? Because a prepared prayer is going to have more questions answered to one where you just, you know, kneel down and start reciting everything else you've already, you know, you say every time. But a prepared, planned prayer. What do you want to know? What are you grateful for? And then two, are you speaking aloud? Um, and he's getting these, the P-A-S-S, from the pattern of Joseph Smith as he went into the grove to pray. Um, he was prepared. He had a question. He had been thinking about it. He had been reading in the scriptures about it. He'd been pondering about it for years. He was prepared. And when he read that scripture, he was so prepared, he knew he had to act and go into the woods and pray. Will you say it aloud? Say it aloud. There is power in saying words out loud and not just in your mind. Are you sincere? And this is where this real spirit of seeking comes into play. Are you really seeking to answer? Are you seeking to know God? Are you seeking to know? Is this a question that if you know will bring you closer to Christ, then you're sincere. And then be specific. Don't just pray for the whole world and peace to happen. That's not great. I mean, hopefully it does happen, but pray for specific things. If you want to know, does your savior love you? Ask that. Um, I think it was president elder Holland who said that there is no greater power than when you pray in faith, asking to know how your heavenly father feels about you. He promises you that he will show you. He will show you. And maybe it's not that second. God isn't Google. Like Sarah and I giggle about. <laughs> <laughs> It's spot on. It's spot on. And we just, we welcome the questions. We welcome the questions. And if you need any better example of someone who questions things, it is your dear prophet, President Nelson. They recently did an interview with his wife, Wendy Watson Nelson, where she said he is questioning everything. What? Wait a minute. Wait, really? He is questioning everything. And his question is, is this essential? Will this bring us closer to Christ? That is what he is seeking for. Is he afraid of change? Clearly not. <laughs> Clearly <laughs> not. Okay. Clearly not. Change is on its way. But man, he's questioning every single day. And what a rewarding experience. That means he is wrestling with deity every single day as he is seeking to get those questions answered. So just in closing, we have to share a couple of Alma scriptures because Michelle and I had a miraculous seeking experience. Oh, word. <laughs> we both came to kind of outline this together and pretty much spilled out the exact same scripture that we had found separately. Anyway, pretty cool. So Yay, yay for seeking and, and looking for answers to questions. But there, there's a little bit of a dividing line here. If you need a little bit of motivation, first think of President Nelson, who is questioning everything and who is regularly wrestling with deity himself. That means you can too. That means it's okay to do. And second, Alma began to expound these things unto him saying, it is given unto many to know the mysteries of God. Nevertheless, they are laid under a strict command that they shall not impart only according to the portion of his word, which he doth grant until the children of men, according to the heed and diligence, which they give unto him. It's a deal, people. 
It's a deal. It's a cause and effect. If you are giving heed and diligence, he is giving you the mysteries of God. It is worth wrestling in the world, in the words of Sherry Dew, it is worth it. It is worth it. Go after it because it means you want more. It means you want to build conviction, deepen your understanding and increase your faith. And then in closing, good old Alma five, this is the one. Four, Alma four. Alma four, thank you. This is fascinating, okay? So I think we're all on the challenge with President Nelson trying to finish the Book of Mormon. So we're all kind of an Alma-ish right now. <laughs> I might be a little behind. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. We're good. We're good. But it kind of makes me want to reread the scriptures again after the challenge and this time mark things according to seekers. I mean, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. Here's what it says. Um, I'm going to start halfway through the verse. And the wickedness of the church was a great stumbling block to those who did not belong to the church. And thus the church began to fail in its progress. Thoughts, Michelle? Whew. <laughs> this is humbling to me. I feel yeah. like this scripture I have never come across. We've, I've never come across it. And, or obviously in this way where Sarah and I both were like, oh. <laughs> The burden have, of this is big. The burden of this is big, is that we have such a responsibility and a, such a weight to be examples. And it was not very, if you're reading, this is Alma 4, I mean, they were righteous just a minute ago, right? <laughs> just a few ver verses ago, they were righteous. And then came to where the church was starting to fail because in its progress, because of the people. And it just, to me, especially since I, we have this influence, right? I hold this influence, this podcast, this space, very sacred. And it is one of my deepest fears <laughs> that we would say anything that we shouldn't because I understand that there is a power in this influence. And if I didn't believe that, then I, we would not be doing this and we would not be promoting and trying to help people build their influence. We know God needs women right now, but when I'm reading this, it kind of gave me a little gut check. Like, am I, am I there promoting, pushing people to Christ or am I not? Because it matters. It matters where we are and where we stand with this. And then if you keep reading, this is an Alma 4 down to 14, because when I read that, I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I read this because the people were falling away left and right in the church and they were starting to persecute those who still believed. And even though there was great afflictions, what it said, um, it says being filled, this is speaking of the people of the church, being filled with great joy because of the resurrection of the dead, according to the will and power and deliverance of Jesus Christ from the bands of death. And I think for me, this is kind of the crux of it. Like you can tell which side you're on if you're leading people to Christ and it's not going to be perfect. My word, my, <laughs> you know, my efforts have not been perfect, but my intent is sincere and we can still have joy. And so you can look to people that you are leaning on. Do, are they happy in Christ? Are they have the, even though there's turmoil all around them, 
are they happy in Christ? Do, do you, do you feel the spirit around them? I mean, it's, you know, that's simple, <laughs> simple as that. Like, do you feel more inclined to good, do good and be good when you're near them? It's such a great way to close, to recognize wh- what kind of influence are we having? It really is. I read that Alma 410 scripture and I just, oh, it just scares me. <laughs> it scares me because you're right. Because not only is it a stumbling block to the church because the church begins to fail in its progress, the church will never fail, but it can certainly be halted, can certainly be stalled because of us as members of it and our behavior. But it also said it's a stumbling block to those who did not belong to the church. This is a world problem. This is a world problem. And that's why we are here to rally seekers. I hope on my tombstone, serious, I hope it says that I was a hero of seekers because it, it is the next stage for us as members of the church to fortify our families. Gosh, if you could teach your kid or your kids or, or yourself to be seekers, how would the world change if we lived as seekers? Now, remember, seekers are seekers because they have questions and they're going after it, right? This isn't sitters. We're not raising people who are going to sit there and enjoy. We are raising workers, seekers who have questions and who are willing to engage in the wrestle. So we applaud you. We high five you. We link arms with you. We are in the same boat as you. We are in the same boat. So are questions bad? No. Lean in, become a seeker, follow the patterns that you've seen these amazing prophets, leaders, men, and women follow as they have wrestled and and sought for truth. And keep in mind, is this something, what do I want out of this? Is this something that's bringing me closer to the Lord? We're so glad you joined us. Woo! Seekers are the best and will change the face of the world. According to Alma 410, they will change the face of the world. So thanks so much for joining us on the Women With Fire podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.